Are you ready? Can't the New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're gonna win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans. Jet fans. Jet fans. Are very passionate. Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jet fans. Very passionate. Brady sucks. Don't be sucks. Don't Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast, broadcasting to you on the Elite Sports Radio Network. My name is Keith Farrell, live from beautiful, amazing, picturesque Crystal Lake Studios in Putnam Valley, New York. And as always, I am joined by my colleague and co-host, coming to you from H-Town, the biggest Jet fan in the state of Texas, Michael Lagaris, everybody. What's up, everybody? How are you? Did not a great week, Mike. Another tough loss for the Jets. We dropped to one in three. Uh, the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast is living up to its name this year for sure. Questionable coaching decisions, penalties again, Mike. A lot to get into. A lot of things to point out with the coach. Some interesting stats I want to mention to everyone, Mike. I know you were heated. I know you have some steam you want to blow up. I know you're not in a good mood right now, Mike. We, no. we, we were texting. We talked before the show. You're irritable. You're angry. Let everyone know what's going on. You need your therapy. This will be cathartic for you. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm angry. I'm angry. All the Jet fans are angry. You should see social media. It's incredible. It's not losing to the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's a story. It's how we lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars. How we were outplayed. How we were outcoached. It was the worst loss of the season. And and we had extra time to prepare for this game. Todd Bowles said, I thought the first three games we fought and made a lot of progress. I thought we took a step back today. Uh, You think, Todd? You think. The fan base is calling for your head, and there's a reason why they are. Jacksonville and Blake Bortles went for 503 total yards. Are you kidding me? Between Mayfield and Bortles, the Jets have allowed 589 passing yards in the last six-plus quarters. That's unbelievable. The the pass coverage has been horrific. Busted coverages. Confused by the Jaguar shallow crossing routes, leaving open receivers in the underneath zones. D.D. Westbrook just doing whatever he wants out there. New Jack City? Really? TJ Yeldon just walks into the end zone 30 plus yards? Social media is renaming you guys New Joke City. Are you kidding me? Keith, what happens when you leave bread in the toaster too long? Uh, It gets burned. It gets burnt like Tremaine Johnson. Moncrief taking it to his house on the highest paid jet with a non-team friendly contract, I might add. I think $72 million this guy got. And I know a lot, a ton of guaranteed money. And he's playing basically as good as Darrell Revis did, you know, when he was in his last couple of years. Exactly. And we'll get into That's basically what he's doing. Yeah. That's basically what he's doing. And yeah. he's having mental lapses where he's just checking out of the game throughout the game. And guys are burning him. He's supposed to be a number one corner. Moncrief took advantage of him. Obviously, we know blew by him. Um, this happened with Callaway the week before that, Michael, with Tremaine Johnson. Mm-hmm. When it comes to Todd Bowles... And when it comes to the decisions you make, you, you named very specific things that went on in the game, Mike. Bad coaching, whatever you want to say, whatever you want to point to. I'll go to no-brainers, Mike. No-brainers. If you have a seven-year-old child who plays Madden, they know if it's fourth down and they're down 25-12 to 12 with 4.30 to go in a game, you don't punt the ball. It's unheard of. I'm going to tell you how unheard of it is, Mike. You want to hear, you want to hear a stat that will uh, blow... Yeah. Your mind, Mike. Listen to this. Listen to Todd Bowles and his 
and the conservatism taken to the highest level and what, if, what happened in this game again. Now, we know it was, like we said, end of the game, he punched the ball, head scratcher. Before that, a few other moves we're going to get to momentarily that also made no sense. But a stat that I read, okay, it was on Twitter, it was also on Gang Green Nation, a few different other places. Since Todd Bowles was hired in 2015, there's been 43 times, Mike, a team has been in the red zone on fourth and eight yards or fewer in the fourth quarter, trailing by 20 points or more. Only two times in an entire span, Mike, has a team chosen to punt the ball. Well, you don't want to know which coach and which team has done that twice. You want to know who that was, Mike? Which one? It was Todd Bowles both times. <laughs> both times, Mike. We're talking 43 times this has come up. The only coach, the only human who's made the decision to punt the ball in those situations is Todd Bowles. Oh, my God. It blows Lord. your mind. Oh. It blows your mind. And just even prior to that, when, you know, 12.53 left in the game, it's 25-3, to fourth and eight, you go for a field goal. What are you, what are you doing? Like, I understand you want to get points on the board. I understand we're having a problem moving the ball. It, it, the, the most frustrating part about this, Keith, is that this is his fourth year. And we were talking about this his first year with his time management issues and his clock management issues and his decisions on when and when not to punt and when and when not to go for it. We have been discussing this for four years. Somebody started high school and is about to graduate and the guy is still doing the same stupid decisions. At what point do we say enough is enough with this coach, okay? And not only with him, his offensive guru, Mr. Jeremy Bates, calling deep passes on third and one and fourth and one on consecutive plays in the second quarter. In the third, yeah, in the third quarter, on a third and one, he calls a pass play with an empty backfield that eliminates the threat of the run. Eliminates the threat of the run, okay? We have zero identity on offense. And when there seemed to be sparks, penalties killed our momentum. Offense didn't even attempt to stretch the field until they were forced to late in the second quarter. This coaching staff has issues, and it's had issues for four years, and it has not been solved. It doesn't matter what we do, if we get Brandon Marshall, if we get rookies, if we do this, if we do that. The same issues persist year on and year out, and I don't know anymore, Keith. I think I've, I'm done. Well, I know, what I know, Mike, is that in life, if someone constantly makes the same mistake over and over again, and or they're responsible for the people in management underneath them who continue to make the mistakes over and over again, normally, it does cost you your job. Now, I'm not saying every single mistake that's made on the field is Todd Bowles' fault. That's not the case at all. But on the field, what we see is a lack of discipline. We've seen bad mistakes. We've seen bad timing with mistakes. We've seen turnovers, sloppy play. Now we're seeing, add into the mix, Mike, coaching decisions that are absolutely mind-boggling. With, with 4.33 left in the game, you're punting the ball? With two timeouts left? Jack, Jack took the ball over. They scored a touchdown. We didn't get the ball back until 25 seconds after the game. The game's over at that point. What are you doing? I don't understand. I don't understand the thought process after the game. The way he tried to explain it made no sense. It made it's absolutely it's, it's no sense It's stuff like this all. that causes problems in my marriage. I threw my freaking bottle of, of, of sparkling water across the living room. My wife's upset. I'm angry. My, my blood pressure's going. This It's the, those type of plays that just take you and turn you into a mania. I've just l lost it. I'm, I had it with this guy. And let's and let's look at the last three years. He started off the first year with Fitz, good record. 
the last three seasons, he's 11 and 25. 5 11, 5 and 11, 5 and 11, now 1 and 3. Now, each of those situations in those years has been different. They've been a different year each time. One was Fitz's second year. The second 5 and 11 was with McCown last year, kind of a different year. This year, rookie quarterback, I get it. But how many chances do you get? Is my point, Mike, like you said originally. Yeah. How many chances is how, how many chances is a coach gonna get? Um, especially when in theory, it does seem like we have a good defense, but we, we keep getting snake bit by stupid plays. Um, that that has to be something that's corrected. You know, and then when you have your coach adding into the mix his own stupid decisions and stupid plays, obviously the team's gonna play that way because this comes from the top. Keep. If you're being, if you're making dumb decisions that are that lack logic and playing so conservative and scared from the top. Your team's going to play the same way, Mike. Keith, Herm Edwards showed an ability to improve. Eric Mangini showed ability to improve. Both coaches made the postseason at one point. Rex Ryan showed ability to improve. Made the playoffs twice in his tenure. If Todd Bowles does not make the playoffs and gets fired after this year, I will tell you that I think he has been the worst coach that we've had since Rich Kotite. You know, we've had a lot. We've had some decent coaches since Rich Kotite, if you think about it. No one's really been too much of a dumpster fire, so that might be perfectly accurate. But, Mike, what we're going to do here now, after we just completely burned and buried Todd Bowles, the Undertaker music came on a while back, the organ was playing, as you just poured dirt on his on his carcass in the grave. Let's get into this Jacksonville game. We're not going to go too deep. I know it was a little while ago, guys. We want to talk more about positive things, the Broncos game, maybe the maturation of Sam last week. Wasn't the best game, also wasn't the worst game, considering some of the circumstances, Mike, for Sam Darno. Um, I know the past two games haven't been the best, but hey, there is some bright spots. So let's get into this Jacksonville game, break it down real quick. We're going to do kind of a sped-up version of the breakdown, guys. I know it was a tough game. We all saw what happened, so might going to give you some of, the, some of the drives in the game that kind of stood out and some of the things that maybe they can look to to improve going into Week 5 versus the Denver Broncos. The situation uh, kind of got heavy on here's a, Here's the, as we get into this Jacksonville game, here's the exact play call chart for the first couple of plays. Now I want you to look at a few of these early drives for the standard five to seven step dropbacks that allow Darnold a chance to scan the entire field and attack, right? And uh, so everybody knows a lot of these figures that I'm about to talk about come from Robbie Sabo's article that he has up on the ESNY platform. And I really encourage all of our listeners to go ahead and check that out. Yeah, it's good stuff, man. Absolutely. So uh, the first drive, first and 10, single back, two tight ends, two receivers. It was a play for running back, screen left. There was a procedural penalty, so then it was first and 15. I formation, two running backs, one tight end, two receivers. It was a zone run stretch. Again, you know standard five to seven stop, drop back. You only have two wide receivers, normal thing. The next play, second and 10, single back, two tight end, two wide receiver. What? (laughs) Funny, same thing again, zone stretch to the right. And then it was third and 10. Now it's third and long, shotgun, empty. One tight end, three wide receiver. Oh, look, a five to seven step drop pack. But QB not given a chance to take advantage of one-on-one matchups on the outside on early downs. Puts him in a terrible situation on third and long. And the Jets O-line isn't good enough to to to, to work against that defensive line. You would think the strategy would be to stretch the field early. So they punt. 
The second drive, what happens? First and 10, shotgun empty. It was a one running back, one tight end, three wide receiver, but it was a quick three-step drop, right? They didn't let him take advantages of the one-on-one matchups. Set the second and four, it was a single back, two tight end, two receiver, zone run, stretch to the left. Third and six, shotgun empty. It was the, for another five-step drop, seven-step, uh, five to seven-step drop back, but again, it was an empty backfield, no threat of, of the run, and Sam Darnold didn't have time really to go ahead and, and look at, at at the plays that he had. It so, Mike, the same Mike, thing as the just, first. it was exactly like the first drive, right? Just a nutshell for everyone, because you're throwing a lot of information, a lot of plays, one after the other at everybody. Basically, Mike, what you're saying is that variety is lacking. Variety. What you're saying is that disguising plays which tends to be a hallmark of very good offensive coordinators and very good offensive teams. The Jets are not doing that at all. At all. They're the same place. He's not allowing Sam to actually step back, scan the field, and try to stretch the field. Now, the third drive, he does it. First two plays, he calls five to seven step dropbacks where he has three or four wide receivers out there, right? Darnold hit Herndon for 18 yards. Darnold, again, hit Leggett for nine. Okay, they actually got a little more aggressive down the field. It was, and then it was third and one, pass to Powell. He missed it. Darnold could have been a little bit more accurate. And then it was yeah, a fourth yeah. and one pass. Cat Q Quincy almost caught it. He could have caught it, but again, Darnold didn't put it where it needed to be. And then they had to punt. But that play, this third drive, had Darnold actually doing what needed to be done by a quarterback to scan the field and push push the ball downfield. He was allowed to actually progress. So. I look at those three first three drives. The first two were exactly the same thing. He didn't. Uh, he he did. You know when when he had Sam to try to go ahead and assess the field. It was third and long. The offensive line didn't give him the protection that he was needing, and it was an incomplete. And they ended up punting the ball. J- J- Jeremy Bates has to be a lot better at creating plays and getting aggressive and stretching the field and then allowing then establishing the run to allow the safeties and the secondary to wa- make sure that those linebackers are watching that for the run so that Sam could find some more windows when he's stretching it downfield. That I mean Mike all those everything you just said 100% true. Robbie's article hit on it and it was tremendous. Every single Jet fan should read that if you want to deep dive into what what is actually happening on the field play calling wise. Let's also throw a little bit of shade at the Jets' defense in that first quarter there. And, uh, pretty much the whole game, I guess, Mike. They were not able to, for whatever reason, at any point, stop a crossing them. Nope. It was the entire game. D.D. Westbrook had 15 targets, Mike. I bet 13 of them were a crossing route over the middle. Yep. Over and over and over again. They, I mean, I, Bortles had 388 yards. I don't, and he had, he played great, don't get me wrong. Not he didn't have to he did not have to make that many difficult passes. That's how easy the Jets defense made it for them on this weekend. Offense, uh, as we know, um, play calling horrible, variety horrible. Sam on the day I believe only had about 167 yards, 17 for 34, one TD. He actually did throw a pick, and you remember we were lucky enough there was a penalty called on it. Yeah, I don't know if anyone forgot that he would have thrown another pick in this game as well. He was lucky enough to have a penalty called. The offense is sputtering. I mean, and 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 can I just say something about that pick? Yeah. That pick play, that the, the right there that he had, had made, it was the same type of mistake that he made against the Miami game when he Absolutely. threw a test. And you know what the same problem exact, was? There? Almost, same like exact. It was almost a carbon copy. Ex- almost exa- a carbon copy. Exactly, Keith. And here's the thing: he's not. So he read the defense. 
He saw the corner. He saw the linebacker. But the problem was he does not see the ancillary secondary coverage. He's not seeing the safety. And the safety bit once again, just like it did in the Miami game. So he, again, that you know, was a little concerning to me because I'm like, hey, Sam, this got you once before. This exact play happened to you before. Yeah. You should already know. So he needs to do a better job in his post-snap coverages. Uh, uh, reads. And it's one other thing also, when you have the rookie quarterback, Mike, and we've said it on the show already a couple times, what you wanna, what you look to see is him not repeat mistakes. Now, right. mistakes are going to happen. We know that. But what you look to see is the same mistakes not happen. The same type of interceptions or mental lapses or lack of identifying coverages um, doesn't repeat itself. And with Sam, especially the past two games, the past two games, Mike, Sam is 32 for 65 at 49%, only 338 yards, um, two TDs, one in. Really should have two interceptions. That's not going to get it done. I under, two tough defenses, two tough situations of being on the road. Have to give him that. That's true. Maybe most quarterbacks have a rough day against Cleveland and Jacksonville. Two really good defenses to get after the quarterback. But I also don't think, as you mentioned, our offensive coordinator is helping him right now. Right, exactly. And, and above him is the head coach. Who, if, the you head see, coach. if you see the offensive coordinator is not calling plays that are benefiting A, your team, or B, your quarterback, or taking advantage of what his strengths are, and maybe they don't know what those are yet. I get it. He's only four games in. But I think the play calling has been detrimental to the team. When, when you it's third and one, you're bombing the ball. And there's so many different things, especially the beginning of the game, Mike, that first half. You know, th- this resulted in us being down 16 to nothing at the half. Of course, we, you know, the two field goal drives, the crossing routes that we couldn't stop, and then Yeldon just walking into the end zone. Walked Lee, it. Lee, Lee completely blew his coverage right there, you know. So, so second half starts. Guess what? We get the ball. We're on our two-yard line. What does Jeremy Bates do? I formation. One running back, three tight ends, three wide receivers, inside zone run. So we so we li- we're on the second, we're on the, the line. We have one one receiver in, which takes any threat away of a pass play, right? So the D line already knows we're gonna run the ball. Yep. Inside zone run. And what happens? Safety. O line was absolutely obliterated. We get a safety. Uh. This is these are the coaching decisions that, you know, I sit back and you think to yourself, you know your O line is Jabron. You're going against the, one of the best D lines in the league. Why not set up a formation to kind of make them think like, oh, maybe they may throw a out, you know, to the right or try to hit Robbie deep or something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so the Jets get the ball. Uh, they get, you know, they they get a field goal out of it. It's 18 to three. Uh, oh wait, I'm sorry. Um, yeah. Then both both teams punted for a series. The Jets intercept the ball and get a field goal out of it. Now it's 18 to three. The next possession. Johnson gets torched by Moncrief, uh, and then the the Jackson goes up twenty five to three. Now, what bothers me about that is Johnson, like I told before, is our highest paid player, and this guy got burned by Callaway the week before. You remember that? Remember that uh, uh, against? Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, I, I mentioned yeah. that earlier. Yeah. And yeah, absolutely. We have to understand we've got this guy signed for I think it is th- four years. Am I correct on that? Yeah, I think it's four seasons. And he's our big free agent jewel signing, supposed to be our lockdown corner, and was known before he came to the Jets this season as a press coverage, pretty physical corner, would get up on you, um, kind of hard to beat him downfield because he's pressing you, and this year so far he's had Listen. mental lapses, he's playing off guys, he was not even near Moncrief, and Moncrief just got a bunch of, Moncrief was able to build up a ton of speed and just burned him. He was gone. There was no one around. He just no. 
I, in my head, I'm like, what the hell just happened? You know, what what, what am I watching? But Tremaine Johnson, aside from not playing that well coverage-wise, had mental yeah, lapses and penalties too. Absolutely. That and then so the, the Jets get the ball back, 33 seconds left in the third quarter, right? Down 25 to 3. Darnold hits Curse for 11. Darnold deep right to Quincy for 42 and a first down. He hits Powell again for two yards. A few incompletions. It's fourth and eight from the Jacksonville 20. Down 25 to 3 with 12 minutes to left to go in the fourth quarter. And Bowles kicks a field goal, Keith. This is why I want him gone. I, I, and I'm, there's another, we're going to get to the next play, but I want our listeners to pay attention right now. I just told you, 25 to 3. 25 to 3 in the fourth quarter. And you kick a field goal? Really? It's really lucky that, guess what? Yeldon went up to the middle the next play when the when Jacksonville got the ball and Avery Williamson did this. As Yeldon drops the ball, it's picked up by the Jets and returned to the five-yard line. Oh, Avery Williamson playing. Oh, he's just playing out of his mind right now, Mike. He has 30 tackles on the season. He's on pace for 120 tackles this year. Another great play by him. Uh, he's, he's at least somebody you can point to every week that's been playing tremendous. And him and Jamal Adams, the both of those guys, have been playing absolutely awesome. Henry Anderson, too. Your boy Henry Anderson has oh, sacked in this I game. Know, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Yeah, I know, I know you love Henry. He's, he's, and he's been playing great. He really has. That's someone they traded for. And no one really knew too much about him, but he's been a, he's been a pretty good uh, he's been a pretty good player on the defensive yeah. line. And, Big play and this by is where Williams. I stood uh, up. Like, I was there. sitting down, and I, now the blood started boiling. I was like, "What? The Jets got the ball on the five yard line. Powell up the middle for a yard. Donald to Leggett for two. Donald to Leggett for this. Donald, end zone touchdown, Leggett. We're twenty five to twelve, right? So we're down two scores. That's pretty okay. Okay, let's see what happens. All right." Series of punts go back and forth. Jets recover another fumble with less than five minutes to go. Now they've got to score. You got to score. Less than five minutes to go. You got the ball. It's fourth and six. Fourth and six from the Jets 20 with four minutes and 33 seconds left. Down two scores. What does Todd do? He punts. Really? Yes, really. What possible explanation could you have for punting the ball in that position, in that situation when you haven't been able to move the ball the whole day? You know, I, I mean, you, do you think your defense is going to all of a sudden get a big stop? Do you think you're going to be able to score twice by the time the game's over? They didn't end up getting the ball back until the 25 seconds left, Mike, because they gave up a scoring drive right there. It just, it's so bizarre. Call in that situation. One, like I said, statistically, Todd Bowles is the only coach that's made that call since he's been a coach yeah. in the entire NFL. In the same situation, down the same amount of points. Um, to go ahead and punt the ball in that situation is just, it's inexcusable, to be honest. It makes no sense. It's boneheaded. It, there's, no, there's no real explanation you can have football-wise. How it I makes any that sense that play to anybody. That he's incompetent. He's incompetent. And I'm, I, I officially, on this podcast, am saying that I'm completely done. Be gone! And I'm ready to move on. I'm done. Oh, that's I'm it. Signed up. You're done. The balls. I'm done. I, I wanted to. I, I was right, hoping. I'm sorry. You know, yeah. but something like that, Keith. I can't. I can't with that. I can't with that. How can anybody? How can anybody? No, I understand. I might get just. And I, I mean, I, and it just. It's too, and now we're too deep into this. Eleven and twenty-five. The last three years, counting this season and the previous two, uh, that stinks. And that's enough. You've been given enough uh, rope. You've been given enough chances. You've been given enough time to prove. That you have the mental acumen, the wits, the X's and O's wise, the motivation, uh, the motivational power with your players, whatever it is that's your niche. And every coach is the same. Herman Edwards, Rex Ryan, uh, Mangini, 
Bill Parcells, all the different coaches we've had, they've had different attributes that have made them either be a success or not a success, Mike. And Todd Bowles, if I was to ask you, unlike many of these other coaches who I just named to you, if I said Eric Mangine, you say X's right. and O's because that's what he was good at. If I said Herman Edwards or Rex Ryan, you say he motivated his players. And I'm not saying they didn't know X's and O's. Herm was a great defensive coach, so was Rex. But their, their skill set, what made them a good coach, why their team succeeded the times that they did, was because of what they instilled in their players motivationally. Mike, tell me right now, what is Todd Bowles' strength as an NFL head coach? Tell me right now. Uh, I just, it's hard for I can't. There's nothing. Uh, there's nothing. There isn't one! And that's the thing, there's nothing to point to. And what does he do as a head coach? I mean, he tried to make excuses for Mo Wilkerson. Exactly. You know, saying that, you know, sometimes people are late or alarm clocks or whatever. I mean, Mo was late, 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 and finally he benched him, what, for like a quarter and then let him back in? I mean, he yeah. all around has been such a disappointment. And I feel like. That's it, and then that was the end of the game. The Jazz got another court, uh, touchdown, and then it was 31-12, and that was it. It was the worst loss of the season, and I'm just ready to move on. Yeah. I'm just ready to move on. Let's just get to this Broncos game. Yeah, the only thing I'll throw out, people, just a couple stats to look at that were good stats, Mike, to walk away with a few, few things that make you feel good. I have a few things I think, Mike, I could say to people right now, Jet fans, just to give us a little glimmer, a little bit of a silver lining, Mike. I'm going to try to do it right now. We have Jamal Adams at 12 tackles, Mike. This year he has 31 tackles. Jamal Adams is on pace for 124 wow, tackles that. right now. Okay, so that is crazy. So that if you're a Jet fan in your head, you're like, you know, Jamal Adams is my dude. He's playing like he's a top guy. Wow. That has to make you feel good. Uh, Quincy Anuma, Anuma has 278 yards on the year. We know he's Sam's favorite target, Mike. He's actually on pace for over. He's actually on pace for 1,100 yards right now in the season. Big time comeback year for Quincy. Another thing to look at. A little bit of a positive. About a quarter of the way the season to look at. One negative to look at. Our second, our second highest receiver on the team, Mike. Right now, if you were to name anybody on the team who was the second highest leading receiver on our team, a player has only had one catch in the past two weeks for 25 yards, but he's still the second highest leading receiver on our team. Who do you think that would be? No, it's actually Terrell Pryor right now. Which is so mind-boggling. 158 yards for him. But like I said, Anun was doing good. Avery Williams Avery Williams, and another guy. 30 tackles, Mike, on the season. Doing tremendous. So we, uh, uh, Marcus May yeah. came back this week. He had seven tackles. Uh, you know, had a pretty good game when he came back. We were not able to run the ball. But a few little bright spots. Sam, too. I want to throw a little stat at you guys um, that I looked up today. Because I was wondering, you know what? Sam had a rough two games. But what, what was what was uh, our last golden child doing right around the same time? What did Sanchez do his rookie year? And now, Sam right now is on pace for 3,472 yards on the season. So almost almost 3,500 yards on the season Sam's on pace for. Doesn't sound crazy, but Sanchez's best year, his best year in the NFL, not his rookie year, his best year in the NFL, 2011, he threw for 3,474 yards, almost exactly what Sam is projected for this year, Sanchez threw in his best year, total yardage-wise. So so that is very interesting. Sanchez's rookie year, he only threw for 2,400 yards. So Sam's on pace to throw for 1,000 more yards this season than Mark Sanchez threw in his rookie year. And he's on pace to throw for more yards than Sanchez ever threw in his whole career any year. And he still isn't really where he probably thinks he wants to be or is going to. That's just some stats, I think, little some silver linings right there for Jet fans to look at. A few positives. Sam is not doing as bad as you think. I know the last few games have been bad. 
tough defenses, road games. But if you look at what he's projected to finish off for the season, yardage-wise, pretty good. Especially compared to quarterbacks, especially compared to previous Jet quarterbacks like Mark Sanchez and other players. And that leads into uh, one of the most anticipated segments of the week, as always. As we know, Michael Agaris's news and notes. Situation kind uh, of got heavy on me. All right, everybody. I like how Keith broke that down. Showed how Darnold is comparing com to other Jet quarterbacks. How is Darnold comparing to all, a lot of the other quarterbacks in the NFL? Period. Through the first four games. So Darnold first four games, he 868 yards, four touchdowns, five ins. Right. Those are the overall big stats. Right. There. We'll get into the other metrics. What yeah. was Eli? Manning. He was through four games, 450 yards, one touchdown, six interceptions. His brother Peyton Manning, 992 yards, three touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Big Ben, 761 yards, five touchdowns, two ints. Stafford, 894, three touchdowns, six ints. Alex Smith was 428, zero touchdown, nine ints. Matt Ryan, 669 yards, two touchdowns, two ints. Uh, uh, Bradford was 944, six touchdowns, six ints. And uh, Jameis Winston, 965 yards, six touchdowns, seven ints. So if you look at Darnold's numbers, uh, they're pretty consistent, better than some, a little lower than others. Now, according to what the rookies that are currently playing today, Darnold has a 57.5 completion percentage with 6.8 yards per attempt, four touchdowns, five ints, and zero fumbles. Allen, 53.4 completion percentage, 6.4 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, four ints, one fumble, two rushing touchdowns. Mayfield, 59.4 completion percentage, 7.7 YPA, two touchdowns, two ints, two fumbles. Last game, he had four turnovers in the game. So, huh. And then Rosen, 55.9 completion percentage, 6.3 YPA, one touchdown, one interception. So, Darnold is, as like Keith said, has not been playing that well the last two games. Overall, you look at the metrics, he's pretty on par with how rookies perform. Yeah, and it seems like for Jet fans, you know, like I said, Mike, we're preconditioned to see the negative plays and the negative occurrences and not be able to have perspective and say, okay, he's a rookie. Let's think long term. Let's think big picture. It's hard to do that, Mike. If you've walked the road, yes. Jet fans have walked. It's much easier said than done when people say, don't worry, take it easy, he's just a rookie, yeah. chill out, etc., etc. But you mentioned some numbers, and I mentioned some numbers, and maybe can put things in the proper perspective of people that, you know, Sam is, and Sam is also one thing to mention, Mike, with the stats you just mentioned and the stats that I just mentioned. He's the youngest player of all of them. He's the youngest guy of any of them. So um, that's, another, that's another attribute that's positive and really one thing to look forward to. One thing about the NFL is you have a bad week. Follows up the next weekend after that, Mike, is another game. And that's what we have coming up for the Denver Broncos. Let's get right into that. Alright, so week five of the NFL for the New York Jets. We are going to face the Denver Broncos home game. Finally get to go to home game number two. Been waiting for this home game number one. Did not work out that well. And I fried in the stands. Like, horrible. I got a headache. Mike, I had a migraine. It was a terrible, terrible situation the first game. So I am really looking forward to game two. Broncos coming in at two and two, Mike. Uh, their offense right now is rushing the ball very well. This is something that I'm a little concerned about. I know teams have been able to throw the ball on us. Um, when it comes to our rushing defense, Mike, we're right around the middle of the pack. We're 17th. Our passing defense is 14th. Overall, our defense is 14th. Past two weeks, plenty of yards been put up on us. So they're going to have to regain that moniker of New Jack City if they want to have that cred. If they want us to play the sound bites of Ice-T, if they want the beats on, Mike, if they want it on, 
If that's what you want, Jets, right. I'm going to need better defensive play. I'm just going to go all willy-nilly. We're just going to have our engineers work hard getting these bits for you guys if the defense is going to play horrible. No, we're not going to do it, Mike. We refuse to do it. But the Broncos come in 2-2. Two and two. They're off its third-ranked rushing yeah. attack in the NFL right now. Lindsey has 267 yards. Freeman, 219 yards. Passing-wise, they're about 19th. It doesn't scare you that too much. Too much with Keenan, but they do have two really good wide receivers, Mike, when they come in. But the Jets' offense, flip side, we talked about it. We talked about Bates. We talked about some of the ineptitude when it comes to the passing game and some of the things Sam's made mistakes-wise. But overall, 27th in the NFL right right now, Mike, the New York Jets. We're 27th with the pass, 25th with the rush, so we don't even really have a strength you can point to at this point. I don't know if many people are going to favor the Jets to win this game. Broncos are going to come in. Von Miller is going to be, you know, off the chain trying to get at Sam. Von Miller is the best talent this O-line and Sam has already seen. He already has four sacks. Can Sam use his mobility to create plays? Chris Harris, who is a very good secondary defender, will be up against Quincy all game. And Darnold will need to spread the ball. He can't just keep focusing on Quincy. So with with Von Miller, Von Miller has some respect for Sam. It was very nice to hear or read the things that he said about him. Uh, but he's going to have to use his legs. And Denver defense is allowing 262.7 passing yards, 16th in the NFL, as you said. Um, this is going to be a matchup, a key matchup that I believe uh, will lead to either our success or failure. Yeah, it's it's you know it's a tough matchup. First, the Bronx. Keenum is a pretty you know he's an efficient quarterback. He's not a I don't think he's a bad quarterback, Mike, but not necessarily someone that scares you that much. Um, like I said, they have two pretty good receivers. Their defense this year for the Broncos, their defense is ranked 17th. Not like they're as, as intimidating as they used to be. You know, they're 20th against the pass, 18th against the rush. Um, you know, obviously they got Von Miller coming at you. That's someone that you have to look at. I think home game place is gonna be fired up if they can actually establish a run game at all, Mike. And this is not. They've not really been able to run the ball that well this year. Like we said, we're 25th in rushing in the league. There's there's runs, individual runs you've seen Powell make and you've seen Crowell make. Obviously, the, the Lions game, Crowell had a tremendous run. But there's a few individual runs, a few individual moments that, you know, they're able to get some good gains if they actually have any space. Jets running game since the first game against Detroit has vanished completely. Bates will need to be creative on how to establish the run up up against this type of defense. Now, when you look at the Kansas City game that uh, Andy Reid was calling plays with Patrick Mahomes and was getting very, very creative out of the backfield to go ahead up against this team. And this team, the Denver, has a very good defense. They kept Mahomes uh, at bay for most of the game, and then he went left-hand psychopath and uh, ended the game. Uh, I mean, it was... I think I... And this is just a side note. I think Mahomes may be a generational talent. I mean, it's absolutely unbelievable what we're seeing yeah, it yeah he's, he's but anyway um he i the J- jeremy bates is going to have to get creative he's going to have to get put together packages and he's going to have to establish a run but also allow sam to read and make his progressions and throw and if you got to go jumbo set and get some tight ends in there to help with the pass blocking so be it Get, get help for Beecham, because Beecham right now has been just absolutely horrendous. Uh, according to Pro Football Focus, uh, Beecham is ranked, uh, has a 63.1 uh, rating, which is 47th out of 77 left tackles in the NFL. He's just been, yeah. 47th out of yeah. 77, that's, that's not good at all. That's, I mean, if you, that means if you're in gym class and they're picking dodgeball, you're not pick last. 
But when everyone else is picked, you're one of the kids. Like, oh, I guess I'll have each other. I guess I'll take. Like, you know, you don't even you don't even want him. But it's just he's a little bit better than the kid who uh, you know throws like Lamar from Nerds. What are you gonna do, Mike? Like, we don't have a lot of talent on the offensive line, and I do think we, we talked about it before the year started. We talked about it before the first game of the year. But the first game of the year versus the Lions, they played pretty good, um, and I thought they run blocked pretty well too. The second game that we played. Since then, not so much. They've gone up against some very talented defensive lines and pretty much been dominated, I think, um, at the point of contact. And the line of scrimmage, the off, the line of scrimmage is not something they've been able to control offensively at all this season. And you can tell. And, it, you know, I think to his credit, in spite of that, Sam has done a pretty decent job. Like, I'm not saying he's doing great. Obviously, he's not. He's making plenty of mistakes. But considering the offensive line that he has to work with, considering some of the mistakes receivers have made um, when it comes to fumbling the ball and turnovers we had, you know, Sam's doing his best. And this weekend, like we mentioned, Mike, I think the run games for both teams are going to be the key. Broncos, um, you know, we haven't run the ball really well, but if we're going to get, if we're going to always be in second and long, if we're going to always then be in third and seven, third, right, you know, exactly. it, it, it's always, it sets Sam back so much because he's never going to be able to get these easy completions. It's always high stress situations he's in over and over again every drive because we're not establishing anything on the early downs. Ab- absolutely, absolutely. And look, the, th- the you just said uh, that the running game for both teams is going to be important. My next key to the game will be the Jet linebackers versus Philip Lindsay. Let me tell you, this kid Philip Lindsay is a demon in 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 out in space. He already has 198 on the ground and 35 yards catching on the year. Lee and the linebacker crew, Avery Williamson, they will need to be on alert while this player is in the open field because this kid Lindsay, he ran what a 4-3 something at the uh, 4-3-8. Uh, at, at, at the combine, no teams picked him up in the draft. He went undrafted, and he ended up signing on with the Broncos, and has been just a dark horse offensive weapon for this team. And I really think that the linebackers and Coach Bowles need to focus in on Lindsey and know where he is at all times. At all times, and we're gonna let all Jet fans know. Just you know, buckle up. Could be a long season here, Mike. It might be a you know we we there was some games here early. We thought we had a chance of winning, and we actually did. We could have won. Didn't work out that way. The Miami game, we outplayed Miami, lost the game because of dumb mistakes and just um, lack of discipline. You know, the next week versus the Browns could have won that game easily. Same same carbon copy mistakes. Now last week versus Jacksonville couldn't do anything versus their defense. What are you gonna do in those type of games? Uh, coaching decisions, though, that make you scratch your head. So every week there's things to point out that make you feel deflated. However, we mentioned some stats, a few silver linings, some things to look forward to as, as, the, as the season goes on, especially on defense, a few guys that are playing great. So what's your prediction, Keith? Uh, my prediction for this game, Mike, is that the Jets are going to play good, much better this week than they played last week, and they are going to squeak out a 2017 win over the Denver Broncos at home with me in the crowd leading Jet Chance as only ABG can. I wish I had your confidence. We're going to lose this game. And we're going to lose because our coach is terrible. And our okay. entire coaching... I have zero faith in Todd Bowles. Zero faith in Jeremy Bates. I feel that this team, the Denver Broncos, are going to come in here when we should win. And they're going to beat us. And they're going to beat us soundly because their coaching staff will outcoach our coaching staff, period. And I think that... I honestly think that... That Todd Bowles, if he loses this game and he loses the next game to, to the Colts, 
I think that they should fire him during the bye and just move on. He better get at least one win in this three-game homestand. That's all I'm saying. You know, I have a little bit of confidence just because I feel like I want to hold the hope out, Mike. I, don't wanna, I have no confidence. I don't want to just pack it in yet, but... He's uh, terrible. I know. He's I know, terrible. Hard. He it's makes hard. terrible decisions. And I cannot with this guy. I'm, I, I mean, we should win. We should win this game. They're built like the Detroit Lions are. Their wide receiving core mimics the Lions, right? New jo Jack City, the New Joke City needs to a rebound game. They should win this game. But I just have a funny feeling that they're not, Keith. And we're going to be right back here on the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast next week talking again about this coaching staff. I want to thank everybody, as always, for listening, for supporting us. I want to thank the Elite Sports Radio Network for helping us blast this out on a weekly basis. Mike, if anybody wants to tweet at us, get in contact with us, tell a friend about us, where can they conduct that on? Where can they find us on social media? On Twitter, they can find us at AEBG underscore NYJ podcast. On Instagram, they can find us at jet.aebg. And on Facebook, they can find us at aebg.jetsradio. Absolutely. You heard the man. That was another edition of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast. Hopefully, we get a W week five here, guys. If we don't, or if we do, we'll still be back with you next week. Signing out on behalf of my colleague Michael Garris, I'm Keith Farrell. Are you ready? The New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans are very passionate. Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jet fans are very passionate. Brady sucks. Don't be the sucks. Darnold, an unbeliever.